0: God. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Getting ready? I'm rubbing one out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. man. Think,
1: Almost I done. I think it's worse that you feel you need an audience. Yeah, yeah
2: exactly. Hey, man, whatever does it for you. I just don't want to be a part of the audience. Bienvenue. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Nation version 2.0 I am Dan and this is episode number Dare I say it 69 <laughs> <laughs> I have with me The usual Casting crew, Nick Hi everyone Justin Jiner what And Jesse What's going on guys So um Nick how's that uh You know that new year's resolution going You know The one about uh, not selling anything? Well, (laughs) you know. (laughs) It's going. Technically, it's still
1: going okay. (laughs) I still have all of the same helicopters in my possession that I did when I started the new year.
0: Nobody's enabled it yet.
1: No. so It's just a matter of time. I just think it's
0: funny. I think it's funny because... We recorded the show and we did our New Year's resolutions, or well, our belated New Year's resolutions. And before the show even came out, (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. I saw a post of Nick breaking his New Year's resolution that hadn't even been broadcast yet.
2: Yeah, the show hadn't even gone (laughs) live, and the for sale thread was up.
1: (laughs) You know, they say the the first step. It's recognizing your weakness.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's too bad we didn't make a bet. The first person to break the New Year's New Year's resolution. I don't know what, what the what the um uh, what the bet would have been, but it would have, we would have been able to get something out of Nick.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I would have lost. Like in a hurry. That would have been instant gratification for you.
0: Yeah, we could have had like a you could have been the pivot man. <laughs> Dare I say more? <laughs> or do you guys get the picture? Uh-huh. I I'm following one. No nobody's been on that yet. No one's uh said yeah, I'll take that.
1: No, it's it's the typical, oh, oh man, I would love to have that. Oh man, I'd love to have that, but you know, show me the money.
2: Show me the money, man. Talk and to- it's a pretty killer price too, dude.
1: Yeah, I usually I don't mess around. I I try and price to sell. Yeah. Um but it's, you know, it's hard. It's winter. It's hard. a lot of people don't really get motivated. You know, they kind of drop out of the sport in the winter and so it's it's hard to you know like you dan you said you're not even going to mess with building anything new until you're ready to where you could fly it.
0: yeah the only way i'd build something in the winter guys is if i was doing some kind of really long winter like maybe a really detailed scale build you know
3: because mm-hmm.
0: i just yeah i hate getting something because when i build something I don't, I don't mess around i mean it's it's like it's a sit down marathon get it together and go fly it yeah yeah, what's the point when there is a foot of snow and it's crazy temperatures outside? So,
2: there are yeah. plenty of warm weather dicks out there that can buy your heli, though.
0: Yes, there are.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I'd like to get it to someone. Um, I'd, I'd really like to see someone local get it, just because I know that it's a solid heli, you know, and I, it's a it's a really good like you know the fusions are the crashes are inexpensive on it. Um, it's solid; they're extremely reliable. It's just, it's been a great helicopter, even the first and second one that I've owned.
4: Yeah, and no one likes, you know, tearing down a heli to ship it. So if you can find someone yeah. local, that's always, I mean, that's a win right there. So
0: when are you going to buy your next Fusion 50? No, <laughs> I don't.
4: I
1: think
0: I have kind of, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to just, admit yeah, a bullet. You, right make, you making Vendor another resolution? Team? Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, you're no, digging
0: yourself a hole, man. Just man it. say,
1: when I bought him a big hole, quit digging. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so what the hell's been going on this week, guys? Who's going first? You want to draw straws? Or should I just pick? You know who hasn't what? gone first? I don't think yet. Jesse hasn't gone first yet, I don't think.
4: I have a couple times. Oh, have you? That's okay, though.
0: Well, how about you go? What have you been doing this week, dude?
4: Well, I actually got in some flying this week, or last weekend. Uh, let's see. I got out Saturday. Um, Got in sixteen flights on Saturday, and then okay. So you thought that was impressive? Another eighteen flights on Sunday. Oh come on, man! You know, I mean, I got to get a good jump on my New Year's resolution. I mean,
1: I think that's more than Justin's flown all year. I think so. Uh, This year, last year, a lot more. (laughs) But I got to tell
0: you something. (laughs) That's me in the summertime, every day, dude. Yeah, yeah. Gallons and gallons of
1: two gallons a day. They just bring yeah. out the pumper truck for Dan.
0: It's <laughs> a big one.
1: <laughs> You're just going to want to pick that up in November
0: <laughs> yeah just 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 send me out a tanker full of that shit and I, I need it because it just keeps me going It feels it's like I need an IV of that stuff yeah but no it was
4: definitely a much a much needed weekend just yeah getting a bunch of flights, so that was kind of good.
0: so was the weather good for you or what
4: Uh, well, as as some of you probably saw in that video, it was kind of snowing both days the whole day but the nice part about that is usually when it snows there's not a lot of wind
0: oh this is the you that's you filmed that warp video that weekend
4: yeah that was saturday
1: that was saturday
0: okay isn't
4: that nuts so
1: it gets that many flights in in the snow now hold on (laughs) was that 16
4: and 18 flights just on the warp jesse no, it was it's about half and half between the okay. warp and the 7HV.
0: You do know that anything under 500 doesn't really count. You can't really count that as a flight.
2: That's what I was going to say. I mean, if he's turning 34 <laughs> did, did flights in a weekend
4: and it's all you on didn't, a You didn't see the video then. You, <laughs> you don't count that as a flight?
0: Yeah, it's... Well, ah, ah, ah. Hey, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a flight. Okay, whatever you say. Whatever you say, no, nah, it, it was a good flight, but still, okay, it was a, okay. so, a 450.
4: Yeah, it, it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it.
0: So how's school going? You still passing?
4: Yeah, When are you going
0: to graduate, dude? When's that gonna happen? Never?
4: Uh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm kind of liking the college thing.
1: So,
0: so you're just going to be a like a lifetime student? <laughs> you know what he I'm, told me last night? That is my
4: profession.
1: I figured out what I want to do for a living. I was like, oh, well, awesome. I mean, that's good. What, you know, what area are you going to go into? Um, I want to go to school. <laughs> I'm pretty good at school. I'm pretty good at school, so I think I'm just going to do that.
2: <laughs> Delaying reality as much as possible. You know, huh? Dude, do it. When I I
0: would. Dude, when I when I'm in when I was in school, you know, I was re- I thought the same thing. I love going to school. I mean, yeah. I didn't I, I don't know. Sounds like Justin might have had a, l- a little more hectic, of course he was maybe Pursuing something that was a little harder than what I was after,
2: but <laughs> no, I really enjoyed school. Did I you? mean, when I was in it, that I lived school. It was, you know, morning, noon, and night. It it was always on my mind. But yeah. once you get out and you become a professional, it's it's different. You take a step back and you're like, I uh, <laughs> don't know if I could do that again.
0: Well, you know, here's the th- no, I could, but here's the thing, because when I, especially nursing, because when you're going to nursing school, you learn about what nursing is all about and you you build this this um vision of what your job is going to be and right you're going to be helping people and you're going to be working with doctors and you're going to be you know checking s- vital stuff and keeping people alive and then you get to work and you realize that you're wiping asses and dealing with bitches
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the doctors are dicks. Yeah, and by the end of the day, you want to strangle the patients.
0: Right. So it's just it's just not a lot yep. of fun.
4: Anyway, no. So that's going good. And the, <laughs> the only other thing I mean, move, that, move move was my, that was my that was my my attempt at a transition. That was a good yeah. one. It
2: was a little that abrupt.
4: <laughs> a little, you know, abrupt.
2: I'm, I'm working on
0: we'll it. We're working on, on it. it. it was maybe next
4: na- Maybe next week. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, it's you're, just got to get a little
0: more flow, yeah. but.
4: So, the last thing I did this it week was... It was effective, though. It
0: was effective.
4: It, it got us off it the did. old topic and moved us to something There you new. go.
1: That
0: had oh.
4: flow like Beast X in a tailwind.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. jeez.
4: Beast X haters. Okay. So, so what I was actually trying to transition to... There
0: you go. Was, see, that's a good transition.
4: There we go. Was I actually installed a face sensor on the warp, and I'm going to be giving the V-Bar a shot this weekend. Sweet. Sweet. So... So that should be good. We'll see how much of a pain that is to tune on a 450. Nice. So
0: man. I don't really care about electrics, so that's... <laughs> that's
4: don't care yeah. about electrics. That's Dan feigning interest, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care about electrics. doesn't care about anything smaller than a 500.
0: So my interest in this hobby is real narrow. Yeah. You know... It has,
4: to, has to start with an A.
0: Electrics just aren't my cup of tea. And mainly because my cup of tea doesn't have two balls and a dick in it. <laughs> oh. Oh, <geez.
2: laughs> <sighs> wow. Oh, and there went Damn. all our
1: sponsors. Yep. <laughs> yep it's gonna, it's exactly. gonna be one explicit, of those, huh?
2: The explicit <laughs> lyrics tag needs to be posted on this one. Can you move this back about five seconds?
0: <laughs> Beep. <laughs> I didn't, I, was, I didn't say anything that none of us have said earlier. I had two, two balls. And didn't somebody say dick earlier? <laughs> it,
4: is the order. it was the order. I did. It's, it's just you associated the them.
1: You said it with a little bit of
0: hatred. <laughs> yeah. I kid, I kid. Of course. You guys know that. So what What else is going on? Nothing else going on? That's it? Uh, that pretty much wraps up my week. Sweet. How about you, Justin? What's going on with you?
2: My week has actually been pretty much long and boring although i did get to fly last saturday same day you. that jesse did i don't believe you i did you got a video man oh, that's right you made a video yeah no wait wait, wait. Yeah.
0: No, no 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 you shouldn't post a video of you flying
2: oh yeah yeah right that's that's the problem so i keep posting these videos showing me out at the field with a helicopter yeah. okay and within like 20 minutes of that being posted there are like three people on the forum that says that say if it doesn't show you flying then you didn't fly it's
0: but like that, man that no fly moniker <laughs> is really sticking with you dude it is sticking yeah absolutely huh we, but, need, to, we need to now we need to, we need to, we need to come fly. up we need to come up with you got Justin no fly and now what what's next what's next yeah nick doesn't have one i'm just an asshole it's one doesn't flow (laughs) flow. it's not like you can say that to your parents hey this is nick asshole over here i I can i can say hey this is my buddy justin no fly poochie but i can't say Hey, this is my buddy nick asshole
2: yeah it's (laughs) got to roll off the tongue a little bit easier yeah
0: we're gonna come up with one we gotta come up with one all right so what else is going on justin anything cool and exciting
2: No, not really. Uh, The weather looks like this weekend I'll be able to get out uh, tomorrow and or Sunday. So it'll be another cold uh, flying day. Last weekend it didn't break like 23 or 25. But, uh, I mean, I don't care at this point. As long as I'm getting stick time, that's all that counts.
0: Sweet. Sweet. How about you, Nick? What's been going on with you? You've got some exciting news.
1: Yeah, it was freaking Christmas here.
0: No shit, dude.
1: Yeah, that's a... That's one of those packages that you open up and you're just like, oh,
0: yeah. (laughs) It's a good thing you're in your basement alone.
1: That's exactly right. Uh, So, of course, don't don't open the door.
0: (laughs) I'm down here. Didn't I tell you not to come down here when the door's locked? Yeah,
1: wait, wait, I got to put the canopy on. We're not decent. (laughs) Yeah. Of course,
0: (laughs) so the listeners can catch up what we're talking about. Nick posted a picture on Facebook. He had a few helis show up this week.
1: I did. I had, uh, uh my new uh goblin 700 show up and then a good friend of mine james his nx4 little bitty nitro that's the one i'm excited to hear about yeah no one cares about the goblin i don't even i mean i do but it's like i'm kind of really more interested
0: in the nx4 so where are we at with the nx4 you're waiting for a few more parts to show up aren't you
1: uh, yeah, I've got the mechanics all done. We're just waiting for the. He made the decision to go with the uh, heli command. He was uh, real interested in the bailout, and that was kind of the heavy emphasis on his end. What he wanted out of that flybarless system. So, I mean, if you want bailout and you want options for any different bailout possible, then you know the heli command definitely is the ticket. So we're w- yeah. we're waiting on that to show up. I kind of went through, double check. He he built it like ninety. Pro- mechanically, almost 100% mechanical, he built it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just, you know, he's never messed with the heli command before. And, you know, that's, I mean, it's tough. You get a brand new heli like that, a, a very coveted one that you're super excited to get. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to try a, a whole brand new fly system on a radio that, you know, he hasn't quite got comfortable with. Yet on the AFG, which can be intimidating to program, and so it, it's you know, he enjoys my input, and it, it's, an, it's, it's an exceptional opportunity for us to actually, you know within the podcast to get our hands on one and really take a look at it because we've just been all speculating. right um, But yeah, so the mechanics are there was a couple QC issues that I'm not overly impressed with. We had to swap out the, the clutch bell. That one wobbled like a drunken hooker. (laughs) 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 uh, Got that all swapped out. Past that. uh, I mean, it's a nice little heli. It's really sweet looking. I love the tail box on it. It's just, oh, the tail box is sexy. It looks really nice. I still have to. Tonight, I'm going to check the tail pitch slider. They've had some issues uh, with those, some QC issues on those. So I'll double check that. But no, it's a pretty it's a lot smaller than I thought. I mean, it's like I knew it was small, but then you really get it and you're like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cute." <laughs> I mean, it's just so little. But uh yeah, I'm stoked. I think it's going to be a blast. I'm really excited to not only be able to fly the heli command myself, but you know, just to fly that and really see what it's all about. I'm a little nervous because that's not what I need. I mean, now I've got the Goblin airframe sitting here. And I'm going to go out and fly an NX-4, and then I'm going to come back and be like, crap, now i got to buy one of these, too. I haven't even gotten the last one finished.
0: Jeez. So, you know, the X-5 had that tail slider issue as well, you know. Really? Yeah. Not that. Yeah, I remember uh, when they first came out, I got one right away. And um, the brass slider was, like, too thin where Mm -hmm. where it threads in, Mm -hmm. and it would break right where the thread ended. And uh for whatever reason they didn't really acknowledge it. It was a well known and documented thing. In fact, mine broke right there. Wow. Uh they did I can't remember I can't remember if they actually made a thicker one or changed it somehow or another, but I did ended up did, I didn't get another one and I uh, never did have any other problems with it. But
1: Yeah, it's been a plaguing problem for a lot of helicopters. Like the 600 DFL went through a stint. The uh, the very first batch whippies went through a stint. I know a lot of helis that have had that exact same problem. Yeah. So I don't know what they, they got to figure it out though. And and with this one, boy, talk about a really tough situation because how, I mean, it's not my heli. Uh, James is just awesome and he wouldn't even flinch if I told him, dude, the tailpitch slider let go in flight and it went in, you know, he wouldn't. There's not an issue there, but I don't want to have that happen. So, you know, it's kind of like, well, I don't know. What do you think? And then, I mean, what do you do? How do you check that? Just hope it doesn't break. So my plan of attack is I'm going to heat it up and uh, attempt to unscrew it. My thoughts are that with the Loctite broken on it, if it breaks when I try to unscrew it, then it would have broken in flight and it's not strong enough. Yeah. Yep. That's yep. that's my theory, and if it doesn't break, then I'll clean it up. You know, probably put it under a magnifying glass, look at it really good, screw it back in, Loctite it, and then that's that. That's about all you can do, really.
0: Yep.
1: I did have uh, KDE was kind enough to send uh, us here at the podcast uh, the SXT head, their new head,
0: sexy looking.
1: Oh yes, and I'm I'm pumped, and you know why I'm pumped because. I get to take um, an aligned DFC head on my, on my 700E. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've got that all set up. I know the mechanics on it are dead on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this SXT head on there, set it all up, and literally be able to fly it. And swap it. Set it down, pop the links off, pop the head off, slap the other head on, and fly it again. I mean, how cool is that? That'll that awesome. be a
2: good comparison.
1: That's, I think, going to be the best way to compare it. It's, Sometimes you know, that's
2: the only way you can really do it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I'm just going to try and be really open to... Uh, here's my guess. My guess is that the DFC style, and I just say style in general, is going to be much more responsive for any given setting in the fly barless unit. The SXT is going to be smoother, um, but a little slower um, just for response. And the DFC will be a lot crisper. But I have a feeling that you'll be able to counteract that with tuning. And then there will also be the benefit of it's just going to tune a lot better as far as bobbles and wobbles. That's my guess.
0: Sweet. So you guys been doing any simming this week?
1: Not me. Mm. I tried.
0: I know I know Jesse has. That's that goes without saying. I tried a little bit, but no. <laughs> this Not guy really. has. Dude. Nice. We uh we we got a nightly room set up in real in real flight, guys. We do auto contests, we shoot the shit, we practice inverted circuits, we do all kinds of stuff. Is real flight like I mean, is it like the thing now? Well, It sounds for, like it. It is for me. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> well, that's all that matters.
0: Uh, you know, Seth Killian, he's been hanging out. And, um, you know, a lot of the guys from the chat room, uh, Helly Yaw and uh, Bob was there. And uh, who else, geez, uh, Jay has been hanging out with us. A bunch of guys. Ray Flyer has been hanging out with us. Just having a good time. Been doing a lot of simming lately. Don't know if it's helping, but been doing it. <laughs> so,
1: as long as it's killing time,
0: it is. And let me tell you something about time. Last week we were recording the show, and it was—I swear to God—150,000 degrees below zero outside. <laughs> right. <laughs> so today, uh, we we got a ton of snow. Right? We got over a foot, a foot, foot and a half. I I look at the forecast last night. It says it's supposed to get to 30. Today, I look. I just pull out the iPhone. I look. It's like 45 degrees, and I walk outside, and I'm like, holy shit, it's beautiful out here. So, you went flying? No, I couldn't. Oh. And here's the reason is because I couldn't find anybody to go because I can't. I mean, there's too much snow in the field, so I need somebody to come with me to help me get some snow out of the way so I can uh, okay. get around on the field, you see.
4: True. Yeah, that makes so sense. So we
0: made plans for tomorrow, and uh, we're going to take a snowblower, and we're going to get some flying in. Dude,
1: absolutely. Why not? Awesome. How I got much so- snow is there?
0: Well, there was a foot and a half, but it, today I'm sure a bunch of it went away. It, it's, it, it still looks like there's a lot, but I did notice that where the deck had been shoveled and there was just like a layer of ice, that's all gone down. I can see the deck. So it was beautiful, man. It was absolutely gorgeous out today. The sun was shining. I really wanted it to be flying, but um, so this week, I just I just couldn't take it anymore. I went ahead and downloaded and purchased that next next heli sim for the Mac. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Been flying it. And well, I've got some mixed feelings. Well, first of all, I can't really um, w- with it. It does work for those of you who are curious. It does work with the um, real flight controller if you happen to have one, but it's missing some functionality. It doesn't have throttle hold. And it doesn't Seriously? recognize that particular channel, and it doesn't recognize the idle up switch. But you can set it. So you can turn the sim on to the head speed you want and set the governor, and just leave it there.
2: Hold on. When you say it doesn't have throttle hold, Dan, do you mean it doesn't recognize that as a function on the transmitter, or you can't even like press a keyboard
0: key? Oh, I don't. If you can predict, to do it, I didn't, dude. I don't and get. It, th- I don't get that far into sims if it doesn't freaking work when I. Well,
1: I think what it is, and I I went through. I looked at it because uh, I was gonna try it. And I think is that each USB dongle, which whichever one it is on their list that you use, certain dongles are four channel and certain ones are six. Right. And the way that, you know, like the factory and even Phoenix is this way, the factory setup, like thott- throttle hold is its own channel. Right. Where like on our radios, that's not the case. We just cut the throttle.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I didn't mean to imply that it doesn't have it. Yeah. I yeah. just can't use it with, this particular... which,
1: which kind of stinks. I, I looked at one of them, and I think the one that I was gonna try, uh, I can't, I can't remember if it was like, a, yeah, GWS maybe it was a six channel USB dongle. Mm-hmm. I, I might go ahead, and it was only like ten bucks or something.
0: Yeah, uh, there's a there's a few things about it that I kind of like. It does require some tweaking. And I'm not a, as we all know, I'm not a big fan of doing having to do that shit. I like to, you know, I mean, we did have to change a little bit in the real flight, but that was real minimal and pretty easy to do. And and this, I'm sure, is easy as well once you figure once you figure out the interface. And I just don't like to spend a lot of time doing that. But somebody had mentioned on our forum that they didn't really care for it because it said they said it feels a lot like like uh, Phoenix, real floaty. And I kind of agree with them with that goblin model. however, I don't think that the uh, it's a vibe 90. I think it's I don't think it's the SG it might be it might be so don't quote me but it's a Nitro version and added a little weight to the model, lowered the head speed and first of all it's Nitro and it sounds really good. And you got the smoke and that makes it pretty enjoyable to fly. But mm-hmm. the next advantage is it's right here on my Mac. Yeah. Th- that's nice. Yeah. The one thing, there's one thing and I'm, sh- you know, in Phoenix, how you can adjust, you know, the friction of the skids on the ground. Yep. Yeah. i th- I'm assuming you can do that with this one right now it's set up to where if you try to do any type of airplane auto or anything like that as soon as the skids touch the ground it considers it a crash
1: oh, so it just oh, stops man.
0: don't know if you can adjust that I still think real flights better without going into you know going in and t- checking it out and really kind of tweaking with it which I just don't have the patience
1: so like just default for default.
0: Default for default, I, I kind of think Real Flight is a little better. Gotcha. But I think the convenience. Uh, well, okay. This sim is nice because it's right here on the Mac. So the convenience of not having to uh, um, boot into Boot Camp um, is nice. And I know you can run parallels, but on my computer, which is by all means, you know, it's pretty, pretty massive machine, I still. Real flight does not run real well in parallels. So, yeah. uh, well, one, yeah.
4: another thing to take into consideration is the price.
0: Yeah, it's fifty bucks or something. So I
4: like mean, that. yeah, you that's take in cheap. the convenience of it being on Mac and the actual price of the simulator. Yeah, and let's say you got a you, couple things going for it. It does. Let's say you spent ten more bucks and you got like the six-channel dongle.
1: And you plugged it in yeah. and you had all your stuff, your idle up and your throttle. Exactly. Hole.
0: And that's the thing. Here's the deal. And and like our buddy Pinion says, I'm going to let the Pioneers take the arrows. And once somebody else figures out how <laughs> to get all that shit working, <laughs> I might give it a try. I'm going to keep using it because it's. I could be simming right now while we're recording. And that's beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. It's a small program. It is a very small program.
1: It, and it's. it, it seemed... Even to me, which I mean, I'm on uh, MacBook Air, so probably the the lightest weight of all the Macs, and I didn't have to turn everything way down, like I do. I'm running on an external uh, monitor,
0: exactly. And and you you even you can go into the graphic setting and you can turn everything up to highest, and it still runs really well. And you know, there's a there's a few things that some of you may not appreciate. I really don't give a shit, but um for example when you fly the Helian close it kind of looks a little like the there's not the detail in the motor and all that stuff i, I mean you can see the motor but it kind of looks a little cartoonish i
2: don't know. That see that of, stuff to me doesn't it, it that's not a bother if I, it if the flight physics are good yeah i mean sufficiently good to actually practice on then the fact that it's yeah, cheap and I don't have to boot into Windows is huge.
0: Well, I can tell you this. I feel like I've got the nitro, aside from the fact that I can't do autos and I can't, you know, unless I go in and tweak and figure out how to make it stop acting like it's a crash every time my skids touch the ground unless it's an intentional landing. Um, I feel it flies really, really well. I mean, I it, it it's not at all floaty. I mean, this helicopter will bog. If you try to bog it, mm-hmm. um, it will. I mean, if it'll fall straight to the to the ground if you're not careful, which is kind of yeah. nice. And then, um, but maybe it's more realistic because the goblin is floaty. I mean, that's a floaty
1: helly, period. You can't could expect be, yeah. a goblin in real life to fly like a vibe in real life. That's yeah. apples and oranges.
0: And also, too, another thing I don't really care for is the graphic of the blade. Does that make sense? When the blades are spinning. Mm -hmm.
2: The blade disc disc doesn't look real? It
0: doesn't. It looks funny to me. Um, It kind of looks like what it looks like when you're watching it through like a low-end camera. Oh. It doesn't do the boomerang thing, but it does stop it. It looks like a cross. Gotcha. And then like a blur between the cross. But there is one really cool thing. Let's say you pull up and you do like an inverted punch out. It goes from across to like just now you can only see two blades. So you can, it looks like the disc is slowing down when you load Uh, it up. That's pretty sweet. Um, So overall, I think for those of us who are into the Mac for the price and the convenience, I think, I think people are going to get into this one. Um, If they can get past. Some of the smaller little lack of backgrounds. There's like three backgrounds, and you've got it comes with one. You got to download the others. They're free. There's only four helicopters. You can download more, and they're not cheap. But how many helicopters do you need? I mean, I only fly one on real flight anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah. true. You know, so do you know if it has online uh, simming capabilities, <laughs> it
0: do, Dan? It does, but it doesn't make any damn sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went, I hit online. And it asks you to type in your online name, which I did. And then down in the corner of the screen, a headset shows up. And that, I i don't know. Are you online now? <laughs> I mean, there's no way to. <laughs> oh Yeah. That's it. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I don't know. It's not like, it's not like the others where you go through and search the rooms and find a room and go into a room. Huh. At least. Unless that feature isn't fully developed yet because no one's using it.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. But it is... it is. I like it. I like the convenience of it. I'm not going to lie. And it is what it is. <laughs> 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 so that's what I've been up to this week. Sweet. That was kind of long-winded, wasn't it? Yeah, kind of a mini-review wow. there. Yeah it, yeah, it was. Huh. Imagine that. Well, I think probably it's time for some news. I, I think, think we probably do it. Let's do some news.
1: This is Pinion for helipros.com.
0: You know, sometimes Pinion is out practicing his low-altitude crop circles, or maybe even some low-altitude smack with a little 3D thrown in for good measure, or maybe even an epic skid bump, and things go awry and I break a part or two on my precious heli. That is when I need helipros.com to come through for me because not only do they have great prices, but they have the parts in stock and can deliver them quickly so that I can get back in the air as quickly as possible. And for this, Pinion is eternally grateful. Remember, my friends, pros fly hard because helipros has the parts. Yes! Alrighty, guys, this week's news brought to you by heli Daily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. What do you got, Nick?
1: All right, so JR is going to be releasing the Vibe SG E12 Hiroki Edo version. Yawn. Yeah, I know. So he'll have one and a couple of his closest friends. <laughs> 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 and he'll win a lot of competitions, you know, over there like he does. Yeah. And it'll look great when he flies it. And I'll never see one. Yep. But, hey. So they what they did is they increased the main gear thickness. Um, let's see. They kept the frame rigidity but minimized the parts count as much as possible to lighten up the helicopter. Shorter, uh, Shorten the center hub, you know, for kind of like more response out of it. Uh, metal tail blade holder is now a standard feature. And the blue-based Hiroki Ito color. And then they're also including... Um, the J R flybarless system. Nice, within. the one that <laughs> looks the like price, it was built man? in
0: 1975.
1: Uh, I, it didn't say the price on there. Yeah, you're gonna get the full experience with that one, <laughs> and you're probably yeah. gonna pay the full experience too. <laughs> oh yeah, they're not cheap, man. No,
0: there's nothing cheap about a J R helicopter.
1: I wish they would make a comeback, and I mean, they've got the means to make, you know, to mass produce stuff. It doesn't have to be like that.
0: You know, JR makes some really nice helicopters. They really yeah. do. But they are very expensive.
1: Yeah, maybe uh, maybe they're only expensive here. That could be. I, I, I like how in the
2: article it says this is the 3D helicopter Hiroki Ito recommends.
0: <laughs>
2: and it's like <laughs> because we no pay shit? Him. <laughs> because yeah. his name's on the
1: side of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs>
0: Because if he recommended the line, we would fire him. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That'd be funny if a line came out with a with an ad. This is the helicopter. What's his name? Hiroko. Hiroko Hito flies, Hito. flies Yo. <laughs> when there's no cameras around. <laughs>
1: oh god. <laughs> that would start a war. <laughs> oh, yeah, that man. wouldn't be good. Oh man, so uh, Blade once again they are they are hot on the trail, man. They're just pumping them out left and right. So now they have uh, the MCPX is coming back. It's making a comeback as a full, complete brushless version. Main and tail.
0: Whatever. Finally.
1: Yeah, I know. Finally, huh?
0: I'm so over those little helicopters, dude.
1: We know. (laughs) We know. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that's, that's pretty cool, though. You know, will it Will it regain like momentum over the Nano or over the one hundred and thirty? That's pretty tough.
2: I don't know. I still think the uh, the MCPX doesn't crash as well as a Nano,
4: but definitely not like a one hundred and thirty though. That's a good point, Jesse. So it's it it's a, I think it's a little bigger, but you still get the crash resistance. So it it could.
0: Yeah, but will it crash as well with all that extra power at the head?
4: That is true. Probably all depends on
1: throttle hold. Yeah. Yeah. Better catch throttle hold. They said that they
2: like redesigned a couple of bits of it. I think the rotor heads knew they're
1: running longer blades. Oh, you mean the grips don't fly off? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Hey, now, didn't they fix that a long time ago?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they did, but it's still a funny joke.
0: Oh, is that what that was? Was that a joke? Yes. Oh, shit, I missed that part.
1: Get with me. uh, And
2: they used the word unfettered in Un- their description fettered
0: unfettered
2: unfettered push this heli hard with left and right pirouetting maneuvers and you'll be rewarded with crisp precise tail response
0: unfettered by a lack of power does that mean that the original mcpx is fettered <laughs> <laughs> i think <laughs> that's what it else, is that a real word i
1: uh, yeah i'm feeling a little bit behind because I don't even really know if we're joking or if we're serious.
0: <laughs> 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 we're not playing Scrabble you, here.
2: Did you catch there about 20 seconds ago? Jesse
4: did attempt to transition again.
0: Did he catch? Did? I didn't see there.
4: No, I was just saying, is this, I mean, is this something you can go order oh, right we now? Did, yeah, I or? caught that, but we just no, ignored him. Not yet. <laughs> not yet? No, not yet. Gotcha. But hey, you know what?
3: <gasps>
1: Little birdie also told me something. Little Birdie told me Mm -hmm. that the 550X is not the only bigger one they'll be coming out with this year. Oh, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Stay
4: tuned.
0: Stay tuned. Yep. How about that? Should we make bets on what it's going to be? Sure. It's going to be an 800. They're just going to skip all the others and go (laughs) right to an 800. It's going to be a 950.
1: Blade 800. <laughs> <The> Blade 800. <laughs> Set that MCPX brushless version down and pick yourself up a Blade 800. <laughs> and it's still going to have the big, ugly landing gear on it. <laughs> yeah. One piece. All, all one piece landing gear. Um, and no, it, it'll be a 600.
0: Yeah, I, I would imagine.
1: imagine.
0: Yep. I Great. So. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So, um, ProTech released, and this was, I do believe, I'm sure I'll get corrected if I'm wrong, but I think that this was designed by Derek 3. Uh, it's called the Take Charge USB Charging Adapter. Um, it's a pretty cool little device. So basically what it is, it's like a, it's like a USB port with uh, a battery connector on the other side that you can plug into a 2S up to a 4S LiPo or LIFE pack to turn it into like a USB port. So if you're out at the field and you're like,
0: oh, yeah, how cool is that? Oh, dude, I feel like a piece of shit. You want to know what? I had a listener email me about this a a while ago, and I completely spaced it. He said, oh, you guys should check this out. And I just forgot all about it.
2: Well, doesn't Scorpion have one similar to this? That's what I was
4: just going to say this. But what I like about this is there's not an internal battery. No, so Scorpion's you know, like,
1: got, and I think Gen Z, I, I should be slapped for not yeah, knowing there's this. Yeah,
4: there's a couple of them.
1: Yeah, I think there are, but I don't think it ever hit the States. Uh, Scorpion has basically like a big battery assembly with USB ports on it. It's all, yeah. it kind of looks like a little mini palm-held uh, hard drive. I know the Scorpion one will do an iPhone 5 from like dead. It'll recharge completely twice. Yeah, and charge. it's about the
4: size of an iPhone. Is yeah. about the
1: so it's a really sweet like for the guys that travel a lot, you know, like travel around all these fun flies and everything, where they're just on planes all the time. They've got all their heli stuff with with them, but they're never actually, you know, somewhere. Right. Uh, the Scorpion deal is pretty sweet because you can just keep it in your in your bag with you. But I mean, dude, really, if you're out at the field, you never don't
4: have battery pack.
2: Right. What's the price on this thing? Or on
1: on any of them,
4: you know what? I'll the have scorpion to... one is fifty. Okay, I'm that's not that's sure. not bad. Should probably no, double not, check that, I mean, but it's right around there. Considering it has a
1: you know like an internal battery inside it, I don't think it's bad at all.
0: You know that is kind of nice because you know when you're out there at, at a fun fly with your buddies and you don't want to have to take up one of those precious outlets. And I'm being no. serious because you, everybody wants to charge their packs. Yeah. Oh wait, wait. I hang on, guys. I got to put this huge ass wall war in here and charge up my phone or my my. Yeah, my but phone. I
1: mean, you've you've always got, you know, an extra receiver pack sure. in there, or even. Oh, okay. So the take charge seventeen ninety nine. Wow. Very All very right. reasonable. Hmm. I yeah, only have really one beef, which is over. Uh, you can overcome. It's got a Deans on it. Oh, well. But, I mean, it's so simple to make an adapter and just leave it on it permanently. And it's not much bigger than like a a USB flash drive. I mean, it's really small. Sweet. I think it's, I I actually might get one because, and just keep it in my charging case. Because, dude, I've I've been in that spot where it's like I'm out at the field. Oh, crap. Now what I'm going to do, I need to charge my phone, but then I'll have my laptop with me, you know, for tuning. And I'll be like, oh, ooh, I don't dare plug my phone into my laptop because you know I-, I can't have that thing go dead. Cause yeah, because that's a bad day. So it would be great. I mean, you take a six S pack that you just got done flying, and you you know you're at seventy five percent or something like that. You can blast your iPhone with it for a well, couple minutes before it, you put it
4: on the charger. It's only two to four S. Oh, that's right. That's right. Two to four. So, S. so you need like Lycra. in my case, I would have to buy a battery just for this. You got receiver packs? Yeah, I could do that, but when when it's not flying. Yeah, that's true. But yeah,
0: could be difficult, uh, Jesse. Yeah, just, I like <laughs> it. No, I, I like it. It's a good.
1: It. You're, you're peeing on my parade, Chuck.
0: Yeah, stop doing that. Can't you tell Nick's excited about this? Come on, man, I get can. on board.
4: I love oh. it. This is probably <laughs> one of the greatest things to hit this hobby <laughs> this year. This year. This year. Awesome. So that's that's it. That's all I got. All Anyone right. else?
2: Yeah, I got some Minair talking points. Well, one Minair talking point. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So you may have seen on RC Heli Resource or on some of the forums that Minair just posted a news article on adopting the Kanban approach uh, for their manufacturing and assembly processes. And so, of course, then the next question is, what the hell is a Kanban Um Basically, what this is, is it is an, uh, an industrial uh, process or a, a culture that you, you adopt in your machine shop or assembly line. It was originally started by Toyota in the 50s. And basically what it does is it looks at uh, leaning out the manufacturing and assembly processes, making things much more efficient uh, running through the shop. And it it does something called just-in-time production. So instead of holding a bunch of expensive inventory on hand, it sort of looks at the demand for certain parts and tells the machinists to go and make those parts just ahead of having to get them to the customer. And so it's one step that Minair is taking towards improving the whole factory, the assembly line and everything. Uh, and, uh, it's ho- hopefully it, it will help a lot. And it's one of the, uh, the new things I think we're going to see from Minair this year. I'm, I'm really excited.
4: The
1: big one is it's, a, it's kind of a big, can also be taken as a big fancy name for part sharing. Yeah. A, yeah, a big portion of it. Yeah. So, you know, like how a line you go by, a, a tail hub or like a tail, you know, grip set. You're looking at the same for the 600, 700, and 800. That's, right. that's kind of what they're trying to do, which totally makes sense. I mean, you know, absolutely. Why would you not? Yeah. You don't need different skids. Look at the skids now from line; They're all the same. all the
2: models. Design modularity. That's yeah. key.
1: Absolutely. I was actually
0: so, just recently, I had a conversation with somebody on the inside there um, at Minair. And um, talking about, they didn't go into specifics and I'm not going to tell you who it was, but um, they went in, they were telling me about some major changes and this might have been one of them uh, that's going on there to improve that aspect of the business. So I guess what we can take from that is somebody's getting it over there and they're going to hopefully we're going to start seeing some more miniature stuff happening to kind of make yeah. them a little more relevant.
2: Yeah, they've absolutely. I I mean I I I can't I can't say anything in detail either Dan, but what I can say is that what I'm seeing in terms of improvements and and steps towards the next level are impressive and exciting and so yeah, hang in there guys.
1: Yeah, yeah I, and mean, I think a lot of people took it as well, wait a minute, they're falling off. They're going away because we're not hearing anything or seeing anything. It's not the case. It's it's a revamp. It's a regroup. Yep, we're taking a house. step
2: back and saying what? How can we improve?
0: Yep,
1: yep. So it's it's going to
2: be
0: the, the the one thing the miniature aircraft has got, which is probably most important, is a excellent machine. That's the foundation, right? Now we just need to improve the process, and I think that's what they're trying to do over there. So we yeah, wish, yeah. Them the wish, wish them the best, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, That's you know, so we good. here at uh, RCL Nation love those guys because they're here in Montana. It's a Montana business and um, support them fully. Hopefully things work out well. That's awesome. Anything else? No talking points from, uh, you know, that other company? What's that company called? Oh, yeah. On, Compass. Jesse.
4: <laughs> nah, no talking points. Damn
2: it. No Scorpion talking points? Nope. Just, dude, uh, I see a lot
4: of people getting that motor now. Oh yeah. It's, it's oh, there's quite a there's quite a buzz about that motor. That is a so,
1: ripper of a motor, dude.
4: Yeah, it's uh it's it's looking good. I'm I'm really liking it. What's the number on it again? I I believe it's a 2520
0: 1360 KV. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. All right, guys, this week's news is brought to you by HellyDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine.
4: And you know what, Nick? If I puff one more set of LIPO, I think I'm going to go insane. Dude, well, you're telling me that you're not running Gen Z's packs? Ever since I started running them,
1: man, I'm getting over 200 cycles on these sets of packs. If you're still puffing
4: them, you need to get up to speed. I think I'm going to go check those out and get myself a set right
0: now. So there it is, guys. If you want a reliable set of packs at a fair price, Gen Zace Batteries. You can find them at HobbyParts.com. We just kind of have a, a hodgepodge, if you will, topics. A hodgepodge of topics, I guess, is a better way to put it. We're going to talk about a few different, heli related things fly barless. can't go you can't go too far without talking about fly barless anymore so we're gonna go ahead and kind of just beat this dead horse for a while <laughs> yeah but this is a it's kind of a
1: different it, it's different than which one's better that's a dead horse well the
0: one i fly is better well of course just <laughs> I'm actually flying the old school one now. I mean, I remember when the Beast X used to be the shit. Now everyone looks down at you for flying the Beast X.
1: No, we don't look down at right you.
0: Yes, there. you do. I hear you, I, just, I hear you guys having conversations when I'm not around. I, I record them.
1: That Dan guy. Can you believe that? that? Yeah. That douchebag. Dan's man. still flying a Beast X, man. What is wrong with
0: him? Well, he can't really fly anyway. So that him. is so last year. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. So fly systems. Can they really level the playing field? On design and quality now i think what kind of inspired this part was we had a a question posed in the forum and i you know if this isn't what what uh you know inspired this i I think it's worth mentioning anyway um of course an old host old host one of a, a past host callum you guys remember might remember callum he's uh trying to I think he was trying to poke a few ribs just maybe to get a conversation started but he he was saying saying something to the effect of it doesn't matter the hell you put a fly bar of the system on it's gonna fly the same is that true?
1: well you know I, I <laughs> that's kind of a tough one because I think it you know it really depends like are you gonna put an effort into tuning it because if you're gonna put an effort into tuning it, you know if you take two helicopters, um, and run the same, let's say the same rates, the same response in your flybarless system, and get you know obviously like the mechanics and the setup are going to be different. But the overall settings, if you tune them the same in the same flybarless system, yeah, two helicopters are going to fly differently because there's a lot of there's a lot of little things that are going to come into play: rotor head height, uh, or damping type of you know servo setup. So a, a lot of those things will decide how it flies. But, fly systems are so tunable, I think, that with some tweaking, you can, you know, you can get them to fly pretty darn close.
2: Yeah, I don't, similar.
1: Yeah, similar. I don't similar. think exactly the same. No, but I think people get real caught up in the, oh, this one's just so much more crisp. But, you know, if they were to really go back and fly the old heli again and tune it, they could probably make it a little more crisp. But just because they flew it at the default settings, oh my gosh, this one flies so much better. It's a better helicopter. Well, okay, so
2: yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Nick, but here's the thing. There are three main features on the heli that I think, I'm not saying you can't tune the fly system to sort of level that playing field. But the three main things that I always think of are the rotor head design because we all know that the rotor head design plays a significant role in how crisp, how responsive, like you said, the damping, is it a DFC, is it a standard head, Uh, you know, that sort of a thing. I think the second one is the tail gearing because, you know, you, depending on your head's you can only get so much authority out of a heli with one tail gearing versus one with a higher gearing and then the third one is frame stiffness and weight i guess that's four isn't it frame stiffness (laughs) three weight number four (laughs) i mean you can tune a 12 pound heli as much as you want but it's not going to fly like a 10 pound heli
4: that's fair yeah that's true. i mean you can make it as fast by turning the head speed up like the speed, but it's still going to drop right with Knife edge and stuff like that.
2: All right. Now, how how much of a of a difference is it? I mean, I guarantee most people probably couldn't tell the difference. No. But if you're able to take it to the limits of the design and really push it hard, I, I I'd expect that you'd be able to tell these small, subtle differences between different airframes.
0: Let's you know you can't you hear all the time a line. Sucks, for lack of a better word. You hear it a lot. You know, we all know I don't agree with that. You know, Nick flies in the line. So if you compare that airframe to what some might consider a higher quality
4: airframe. So 7HV. <laughs> 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 oh, man. And and I, man I, had, I had to try. Come and on. waiting. No, you got it. Yeah, you well, it.
0: let's let's do it. 7HV, miniature aircraft, all, you know, whichever. You, you take your pick. Okay, someone uh, with great flying skills, how good do you have to be able to fly to be able to notice those subtleties between those airframes provided that you know how to tune that fly system?
1: Pretty hard. Yeah, pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Pretty hard.
0: So how often do we see on forums people debating that this one is better than that one when in reality they don't truly know?
1: It's called cost justification.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I, I just I, spent
2: $1,500 on this heli. It has to be the best or else I won't be able to sleep tonight. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: because I don't yeah. want to admit to everyone that it flies just like my T-Rex 700 does. That, and, and, you know, another big thing, okay, that's fair is a lot of people don't get super in-depth with their fly system tuning. They really don't. I mean, they're, they're kind of just going for the, well, make most of the bad things that I see, try and get those to go away, and then they leave it. So they kind of settle for the way that a certain heli feels. And yeah, a, a nicer heli with a little bit better frame layout, you know, direct swash, a little bit of a more rigid head design, it's going to be a, a lot crisper on the cyclic and, you know, more connected feeling. So, I guess in that situation, yeah, that one is gonna fly better. A, a better mechanical design will get you; it will get you closer to to the end goal a lot quicker. You know, whereas a, a poor mechanical design, you can only tune it to make it fly so good, and then eventually you are gonna find its its weak point. And I mean, I, with-
0: let me just give you also too, guys, if you if you want to learn a little bit about mechanical setup. Be sure to check out Digging In episode number one. Uno. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, you know, let's, um, let's tell ta- you, you mentioned the direct swash. Mm-hmm. How many people do you suppose out there could you tell the difference between a bell crank, the push pull, or a direct swash?
1: Oh, man, it would be, well, well you're never going to get the, you're never gonna get the opportunity. So it's kind of like a, a mood argument. I, I think Callum really hit it on the head. It's it's like 85% flybarless tuning. It's just yeah. that with, you know, certain designs, you're I don't think that you're gonna be able to get that last 10% out, but two percent of the pilots can fly in there. So <laughs> Yeah, and and again, you know, that's the
2: difference, Nick is it depends on what the differences are in the design. You know, going back to the weight, obviously, you can't, you cannot, there's only so much you can do in fly barless tuning to make it feel like it's the same weight as a lighter or a heavier heli. And the head stiffness is another one. I mean, I I can remember, um, and and again, I I don't fly hard. I can't fly like Nick and Jesse. Um, I can hold my own, but it's certainly not what I would consider to be 3D smack or any of that crap. And I can remember back when my main heli was a 700 electric, and I loved that thing. I mean, I had gotten it all tuned in on the Beast X and could not imagine getting a heli that flew any better. And then I decided to splurge a little bit on a boutique heli called the Shape 9, and I was blown away by the difference in the feel of the head. And it was because the Shape was running a fully rigid stiff head system And there was a lot less play and movement than the align and the, the controls felt super crisp. And at the time I had tuned them as best I could on the beast X and you could still tell that difference.
0: So you were that guy. I was that guy. You were the guy that bought the shape nine. I was the one guy. I was the one guy.
2: (laughs) Yep. You're right, dude.
0: You know, it's kind of a funny, uh, I just don't, and I'm coming from a perspective that is, not where Jesse and Nick and even Justin come from. I just have a hard time imagining Well, let me put it this way. I think do you guys think that um just knowing that whatever helicopter you're flying has what is considered to be the new hotness in setup whether it's the direct swash whatever, mm-hmm. just knowing that do you think that gives the pilot that mental confidence? Oh, and, you and bet. helps their flying.
1: You, bet. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Even There's, though it may
0: not necessarily be needed for how well they fly.
1: Yep. Yep. It's and, all mental, <laughs>
0: and that goes a long ways. That does. Yeah.
1: It's either it's a mental game. The point when you say it's not good enough for me as a as an average Joe pilot is when it breaks doing what you're doing. That's the only time you notice. I mean. You can take someone that flies super hard and they're going to be like, you know, man, I feel like this thing, it just, it feels a little squishy on the collective and uh, I don't know. I just, something doesn't feel right. You'll you'll bring the helicopter back down like the the original T-Rex, all the conversion helis when they were converting nitros to electrics. You'd bring the heli back in and there'd be rub marks on the inside of the frame from the motor. You know, that had like two, three mils worth of clearance before before it took off. <laughs> and then that's, I mean, that's what they're feeling. But the other guy, he's not going to notice it. You know, I, I really think that it's its mostly fly barless system. You know, there are a couple other things that really make or break all aspects of the way that a heli flies. But, I mean, that can be kind of another subject too.
4: Yeah, well that kind of brings up something. I know we were talking this last week and we had also got into kind of like talking about blades. Like, you know, yeah. can you tune different sets of blades to feel the same as well? Um, yep. Just, you know, by using fly barless, a, a fly barless system. Because so. mm-hmm. I know like in, in my experience I went from, I just switched from the Radix to the Compass Blades on my 7HV and you were asking me, it's like, I was saying, you know, they just don't quite feel snappy enough and you were like, well, do you have the paddle sim turned up all the way on the V-bar? And it's like, no, I actually, you know, I don't have it turned all the way up. So I, c- I can't say for sure because the fly barless system could possibly overcome that. Yeah.
0: So do you think pilots, yesterday's pilots who didn't rely on the fly barless controllers were better pilots? No. You don't think so?
1: No, I don't think so. When they didn't
0: have all this electronic stuff to tune this, that, and... The other thing out, it was all done by sticks. If the tricks were the setup, same.
1: if the tricks were the same, I would say that yes, then they were better pilots because they're going to be fighting every interaction that they didn't intend it to do to get to the same trick. But the, every every time the system gets better, the the top level flying gets even better, and it kind of moves with it.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Nick. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I mean, the stuff they're doing now, it's just it's it's freaking insane. I mean, Crazy absolutely stuff. insane that you couldn't do with a flybard heli because of either a power consumption or you couldn't get it to react quick enough and be stable, <laughs> you know, out of a fly barred heli. So
0: that old argument that, it, um, that fly barred heli can't do anything that my flybard heli can do doesn't stand anymore. Doesn't hold water. It's, I mean, it, it
1: can, again, it can in the average pilot, you bet it can. But at that top, you know, you can't run copious amounts of pitch, super high head speed in these huge rates that they're running on the cyclic now and this amount of response and expect a fly bar not to break or a paddle not to break. And then you've got the paddle so light, you know, and the fly bar so... It's just, yeah, it's just not going to hold up. I mean, I I remember that. People were chucking paddles left and right. (laughs) yeah, you know, you don't have to worry about that anymore. We're we're back into the boom strike thing, which was back in the Raptor ninety days. Yeah, people started flying hard and boom striking. Well, we kind of went away from it, and now the pli- pilots are flying so hard now that they're back to boom striking at twenty one hundred RPM on their seven hundred. It's like
0: what? Yeah, what are these guys doing? So I wanted to talk about one other thing before we move on, and mainly because I got an email a few days ago. A listener wanting us to kind of briefly go over the difference between uh, the DFC head and the traditional head. So can one of you guys give us a brief explanation of the difference and, and is it better and why?
1: Ooh, I'll, I'll let, how about this? I'll let Justin take the, the technical side of it and then I'll give my opinion on what I think.
2: It's funny, actually, Dan, that you mentioned this because'm I'm, I'm working on a tech tip to post on the website that sort of goes over this briefly. Um, but yeah, so you know the the main difference that with the DFC head is that you have a single link between the swash plate and the the ball, or the main grip on the head. And what that allows you to do is eliminate the the standard swash follower. That we used to see on flybar heads and on some of the earlier generation flybarless heads, um, what it's supposed to do, if the design is is implemented correctly, is to stiffen up the head altogether and get a, a more crisp, more connected feel out of the heli. And the reason for this is because now, when you change your servo position or where, when you throw your sticks. The the uh, force that's being transmitted through the linkages gets transmitted through a big burly DFC arm that's solidly connected to the head, not a little skinny, you know, th- uh, two millimeter or three millimeter diameter uh, steel rod with plastic links on both ends.
1: Yeah, and the the damping is the other big portion of that with that style head because. Too much teetering on the feathering shaft can be very bad. <laughs> you run into links breaking and stuff, so you, you've you got a really rigid damper in there, if not almost completely solid. So, yeah, it, in theory, it, it will give a lot crisper feel. Downside to it is that everything is so rigid, a rotor blade still has to flap. It has to. And it will. <laughs> and... So, you know, whether the blade takes up more of that flapping, it just seems to put a lot more stress on components that, you know, whether or whether or not they were designed to handle that is still kind of up in question. Well, and you know what the other
2: thing is, Nick, is in a crash, you're you're liable to do a lot more damage to the head than you did previously. Because when you drive in a standard fly barless head, what's the first thing that's going to happen? The links are going to pop off, right? Yeah. Or they're going to bend or they're going to snap. But in the DFC case, you've got such a solid chunk of material between the swash plate and the, uh, the head grip itself that that may not be the weakest link anymore. And now you're looking at bending the grip arms, maybe doing damage to the bearings if you hit it hard enough. Um, you see that all of the DFC designed swash plates now, the new generation swash plates are built a little bit more burly, and the links connect in on a solid chunk of metal as opposed to having a little arm that pops out, because that load's going to be transmitted to your swash plate as well, and you don't want to bend that or damage that.
1: Mm-hmm. And they put the balls uh, sideways, sideways, yeah, so that you can't pop yeah. them off. You know and, and so it's just there's always if you're gonna stiffen something up, something's gonna have to give eventually. Yep. And probably the the biggest downside besides for crashing is you know it's for every gain in flight performance, you're gonna sacrifice something and something is what happens when you load or that rotor speed drops a lot. There still has to be flapping and if you know blades are getting stiffer, they're getting stronger because we're demanding more out of them. When the head speed drops, it's hard to take up that flapping, you know, that that wobble. And, and that's where you get that wobble and that bobble in the head. And it can be a lot more difficult to tune out on a flybarless system. Yeah, so that, it's
2: they they will tend to be uh less tolerant of a wide range of head speeds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like taking, it's like they work really, really good when you're going super fast, you know, like really stiff suspension on a car. It's right. awesome for going 140 miles an hour, but then take it down a gravel road, you know, or a pothole road at 35 and yeah. it's a nightmare. It's horrible. It bounces all over the place. It handles horrible and you get a lot of adverse reactions out of it. And that's kind of the same concept. So it's got its purpose but for every component failure that I've heard of on a standard head design, I've heard a dozen component failures on a DFC head style design. And that's not just
0: picking out a line.
2: Oh, yeah, you're right. You've got to make sure you nail the design. There's yeah, not there's nearly tr- as much flexibility yep. there.
0: And that's, no. one, that's one thing that, that um, you know, I just... Okay, so you've got this rigid connection from the grip to the swash. And as we as Nick said, the you there's going to be some flapping in there. It just seems to me like that is going to be the weak point. Isn't that going to stress that material because something in there has I mean, as the head flutters from one side to the next, you've got that grip arm that has whatever a bolt running through it into the from the link, you know, through the link into the grip itself something in there has got to give
1: well it'll 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 send that energy to the weakest point and it might you know you don't even really think about it you're thinking okay so what's the weakest link the ball link uh hey maybe it's your servo gears so now all of a sudden those servo gears that you got you know 200 flights out of before they started getting slopped now maybe you're only getting 100 out of it okay because that that flapping it will happen. <laughs> like, it well, and it, happen.
2: and just so that everyone knows, that's how these things work. All heads ha- are are flapping, semi-rigid heads. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's different when you stiffen up the dampers to the extent that you do. Um, when the flapping does occur, there's not as much uh, absorption of that energy. So you're right, Nick. It does get transferred to the next weakest link. And so it can beat the crap out of your servos. Um, And again, that's why you've you've seen some of the companies that have adopted this have had to go back and and do a version two because they didn't choose the right bolt material or the right bolt design or the threads were set up wrong. And you're getting Mm -hmm. stuff snapping in flight, all sorts of different issues.
1: Yeah. Like with the Goblin, they were having issues with the big aluminum, uh, if you've never seen it in a Goblin, you know, like their their link arm that comes down off the head, it's got this just big, massive screw adjustable link. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's awesome. It's so like big. Like a turnbuckle? So, yeah, but it's, no, it's like the whole thing spins. So you pop the link off and the whole thing spins, but it's huge. I, I don't know the exact dimensions, but we're talking like five, six mil. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really big, mm-hmm. but they're having problems with the threads are wearing out. And you're not even spinning it. They're wearing out because there's a very, very, very minute amount of play when you first put that on. And that little bit of play over many flights turns into a lot of play. Yep. yep. Because it's just being beat up. There's, so, there's nothing to take that.
0: So bottom line, is it a better design?
1: It's a purpose-built design. All around, no, I don't think it's better. I think it can be better for very certain applications but all around average Joe i I don't see it being a better design myself
0: and that purpose would be obviously then smack 3d
1: super high head speed yeah but it's it's a but, better design if it holds together
4: yeah but I mean some of the newer ones you know like like you were saying you know they're very it's a sh- uh, narrow range of head speeds which they're operating very you know flight mm-hmm. performance wise some of the newer ones are kind of making that not so true. I mean, you're, we're seeing a lot of, you know, low head speed flights and they're still... Well, There's everything has that frequency range in which it's not happy at. Mm-hmm.
3: So it
1: just kind of depends. Can you shift that frequency range out of where you would fly? You know, you'll see a lot of videos like at 1100 RPM on the head for 700. Oh, look at this. I mean, oh, it'll fly 1100. Where's your bobble now? What? You know, well, turn it up to 14. Yeah, it's at fifteen to seventeen hundred. <laughs> yeah, the big massive wobble that makes it want to boom strike and flip over in the air is at fifteen hundred RPM, but they don't show you that. So you you went around that range and back into the happy point again, right? Yeah. Um. But you know, a lot of the newer kind of like hybrid heads, like the SXT, uh, like the new Goblin HPS head, the the new Gowie, the Formula One head, they're kind of doing a little bit of both. They're trying to take out all the slop out of everywhere else other than the damper. And Mm -hmm. I think, in my opinion, that's going to be kind of the best of both worlds. Nice. You know, the other thing that we didn't mention is that because there is
2: less material or less stuff that you have to stack up on the head, the head itself is usually shorter overall, and then that allows you to bring the head height down. Yes, Um, And and that that, of course, brings the 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 longitudinal center of gravity a lot closer. And so you can roll more axially and so on and so forth. It speeds things up and again goes back towards what Nick was saying about the the improvement in overall performance. Yeah. Um, And and we cannot forget to mention the most important thing. It's sexy as hell.
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh they are man they look good but you take yeah. that design you run 14 degrees of pitch and only put it at 1950 RPM and you you dig into the sticks a little bit too much and that blade will lag really bad it'll pull back a little bit in the grip and then all of a sudden you just play chop suey on your tail boom
2: I have seen that happen at my field before
1: and it's a <laughs> bad day
0: Well, guys, the new year's upon us. Hopefully this year you guys got all of those cool little heli gadgets and gizmos that you wanted. Probably ended up with some batteries. got a little bit of advice for you. Why don't you head over to ProgressiveRC.com. They've got all your charging accessories over there at ProgressiveRC. They've got charging cases, adapters, different charging leads, pretty much everything you'll need to get those brand new packs ready to fly. So go check them out, ProgressiveRC.com. bad day. Alright guys, let's uh, let's move on to um, probably one of my new favorite topics. Auto rotations.
1: Ah, Dan's loving the autos. Nice. I,
0: I gotta tell you, I'm really getting into the autos on the sim especially and um, of course winter time. But um, let's let's talk a little bit about getting into autos and, and what a person should do to kind of practice them. First, I don't know if what I did uh, is good, but it seemed to be helping me, uh, in real life, not not on the sim. First of all, when you're first learning to do autos, the hardest part is actually hitting the switch because it seems counterintuitive. Why do I want to turn the power off to my helicopter when it's flying perfect? And then, of course, one once you decide that you're actually going to start learning how to do these, how do you get it down on the ground? Well, what I what I did to kind of learn that glide scope and I don't know how well this would work on electrics, but on a nitro, it works fabulous. Is I would go ahead and just practice bringing the auto in and then just hitting, you know, putting it, taking it out of throttle hold and just, re, just redoing it. And it get lower and lower and lower and eventually get it to the point where, what the hell, you're close enough, you might as well touch down. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to work really yeah. well. And it really kind of, you know, because when you first do an auto, and Nick, I remember we talked about this a long, long time ago. It seems to that those first few autos you do, you you land way out there, country mile. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. And I kind of wanted to not have to do that initially, but I, I did. But so to get away from doing that, instead of landing the auto for about a week, I would just do that glide slope, get it to about ten feet, six feet off the ground, and then just hit it, and then go back up and do it again. And eventually, I got to where I was keeping it down right in front of me. And then from there, I was able to just land it. But there's some finer points. And obviously, you know, we've seen pictures of Nick's airplane auto. And I've seen Nick do autos in in, uh, person. and, And Justin can do them real well. Of course, Jesse can do them real well. Let's talk about setting up for an auto and remaining calm and actually landing it without problem. How did you guys do it? And what did did you do while you were practicing that to make sure you didn't destroy your helicopter?
4: Well, first, I actually did destroy my helicopter while (laughs) trying to learn autos. That was a Fusion 50. Um, But no, I I pretty much did the same thing as you, Dan. I was using a, a Castle Speed controller on my Fusion 50, so therefore I could bail out just like you were saying. So I spent I spent probably longer than a week but you know I would take it way up I'd kill the throttle and at any point if I didn't feel comfortable you just you know I flipped it out of throttle hold let the motor kind of power up and you know took it right back up and tried it again so it it really is a great safety net to know that as long as you're not you know lost almost all your head speed you can bail out safely and No harm done.
0: Yeah, and I think that's key. You brought up a good point, something I kind of overlooked. And and I did it, but I just I didn't mention it a second ago. Uh, When you're learning that, if if at any point something just doesn't feel right, don't wait until it's too
4: late. There's there's (laughs) no point in waiting.
0: (laughs) Just go ahead. Even if it's a second after you put it in, throttle. If something doesn't feel right, just flick it back in, regroup, go try it again. Just build up some confidence.
4: Yep. So, yeah, I just, you know, kept working lower and lower until, like you said, you're ready to just, well, shoot, I'm only two feet off the ground, anyways. I might as well just land it.
0: So, tell me this, Jesse. Did you find it easier to get it down to the ground and spin the tail back towards you and lay, land tail in, or did you just stick I, with side in?
4: I actually did side in. Um, I, for no particular reason, that just kind of felt the most comfortable, probably because that's how I did them on the sim, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, and I, I mean, now it doesn't really, it, it doesn't really matter, but I can do either, but yeah.
0: And uh, how often do you practice just autos?
4: Um, I usually do an auto at the end of every flight. So
0: you're doing them every time you fly?
4: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite as uh, crazy as Nick is. I mean, so I you can, don't
0: do, you're not really into the acrobatic stuff?
4: Um, I wouldn't say really acrobatic. I can do, I mean, inverted autos with a flip or a half parallel flip exit at the end, but that's about the extent
0: of it. So, Justin, jackhammer. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: was waiting for that.
0: What, uh, how long did it take you to perfect that slamming your helicopter into the ground <laughs> mode that you've chosen to employ?
2: <laughs> uh, that's not usually how it works.
0: That's a trademark, but, by the way. So,
2: Yeah, well, that's true. I guess I will have to give it a try again at some of the fun flies this uh-huh. year just to keep the name going. But, uh, no, I mean... The, the autos that you've seen me do, Dan, were after uh, quite a bit of time of not flying, so that's my excuse, and I'm going to stick to it for now. That having been said, so, you know, I, I mean, in terms of getting yourself ready to 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 try the auto, I think what's really key is getting the heli positioned in the correct location in the sky. And I know that sounds really weird, but we talk about, like, like Nick said, the country mile auto, right? Where... You're you're so focused. You're ready to go. You hit the, the throttle hold. It's coming down. You got the right glide slope. The head's still moving, and then you take a glance down for the first time since you hit throttle hold and realize that you're literally 500 feet away. <laughs> yeah. Um, the way to avoid that, I found, is uh, is you you really have to put the heli in a location that feels uncomfortable. And I know Nick's probably going to talk about this in more detail um, because he had this experience, I think, before any of us. But you got to put the heli almost in line with, it looks like it's almost in line with where you're standing, off to your left or right side. In other words, it gives you the feeling that it's going to come down on top of you. And you're, you'll never let that happen just because by instinct, you're going to want to move it out a little bit. But if you do that, by the time you get it down in front of you, you're probably more like 10 to 20 or 30 feet away. And it's not nearly as bad. And, and the reason why that's important is because like Jesse, I did the same thing. I, when I first started doing autos, I would land side in. And for the record, I tend not to want to land side in anymore because I've doinked enough autos doing that to just give it up completely. And the problem is, is if you're more than a few feet away and you're coming inside in, sometimes it can be really difficult to judge the exact orientation of the heli, like level wise. And all it takes is a couple of degrees and then the thing tips over and, and bunny ears.
0: I did that Othello. at Othello, by the way. Did you? Yeah. Yep.
2: The you know, the other thing is when you're using the bailout, another emphasis on what Jesse said, don't wait to the last minute. Because depending yeah. on the bailout and how fast the ramp up is. It can it can freak you out a little bit when the tail spins sixty degrees. I <laughs> don't yeah. make your back out. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> man. Or more, yeah. You you can get it to go from tail end to nose in.
4: Oh yeah, or it'll spin all the way. Ask Jesse. Oh yeah, that's that's what I mean. I mean, I totally freaked out and drove it right in. Oh, that <laughs> I was mean, the crash in the fusion. You know, it Jesse? was one of those where I should have just landed it, but. Tried to bail out. Hardly any head speed left. No tail authority. (laughs) Around is spun. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Any other advice?
2: Yeah. uh, The other advice I would give is I would err on the side of a higher sink rate. In other words, falling faster. Because if you've got any forward speed at all, you're going to maintain head speed if you fall fast. Yeah. I see a lot of people that try to take it super slow, and you can do that on a 700 if you know what you're doing. Um, but if you take it too slow and you don't have enough forward speed, then you're going to run out of energy real quick.
0: Yeah, I found that was really, really hard for me um, to get used to is allowing the helicopter to fall so fast. It just felt, it was unnatural.
2: Yeah, I mean it goes against everything that you're used to, right? Here we are trying to drive the heli down closer to the ground with no power,
4: no less, and neg- a little bit of negative pitch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, and and another thing too, and Nick kind of brought this to my attention when I was learning to do them um, is once once you've established the the negative, to just leave it alone, and uh, also too, Justin, I want to mention that um, I want to mention that um, you know you talked about putting the helicopter in the uncomfortable position, kind of right up off your shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know what I found actually worked for me initially, and I do that now, but initially um, what worked for me was to let the helicopter go out and bring it, auto it in towards me more.
2: Ooh. That, and that's actually what I do now, Dan. Like if, if I'm going to go up for a regular upright auto, well, actually any auto, I'll shoot it up yeah. at, Sort of like a, I don't know, thirty degrees off my right or left shoulder, and then bring it nose in towards me.
0: Yeah, that's that feels more comfortable to me. Yeah, same here. So anyway, um, now we've all seen, well, those, us three anyway, and those of, those who have been to the fun flies we've been at, have seen Nick do some pretty amazing acrobatic autos. So we're gonna try to get some uh, some advice from Nick. What would you tell people, Nick, that are trying to learn how to do autos?
1: I'll, I'll try and sum it up into a quick auto 101. Um, first things first, practice before you ever get out to the field while you're sitting there watching TV on the couch. Practice flipping throttle hold and without looking at your transmitter, going one mark, one white mark down from mid stick. That needs to be completely a natural reaction. So throttle hold, boom. Throttle hold, boom with the stick. Throttle hold, boom with the stick. And check it every time and look down and get to where you can go one mark down. On a 700 or 600, even a 550 class heli, you can always do an auto at that point. I mean, I run 12 degrees of pitch. So, you know, if you're running 11, you might need to go a little farther down or up higher than that, maybe a little less. But you can always do an auto at that point. That is a, that's a safe zone. That, that point on your transmitter in the negative. So practice that. Throttle hold, boom. Throttle hold, boom. The reason I do that and teach people to do that is because it takes it out of the question. You've got so much other things to think about on that first time you hit throttle hold. Uh, you know, I need you to hit that spot and then forget about it. Next most important thing is line up the tail before you hit throttle hold when you're learning. Don't try and fly the tail all the way down because what happens as I'm sure everyone knows, that's just learning to fly in general. Try doing a pirouette, a high, like a fast pirouette to the right, and then switch directions and not have your collective change. Right. It doesn't work. (laughs) That is a very learned skill that takes a long time. So don't mess with the tail if you don't have to. Like Justin said, it sounds a little scary. It sounds a little weird. But believe it or not, when you're up high, point it at yourself. Very rarely, very, very, very rarely will it ever come anywhere close. You'll usually end up 20 to 30 feet out in front of you, which is the hardest part about learning. And I must say that while Nick emphasizes very
2: rarely, I have had the privilege to be present at more than one of Nick's very rarely events.
1: (laughs) When the pilot takes a step back.
2: Yeah, yeah. When All I'm right, sitting is. there and, and, and spotting for him and he jumps three feet back, <laughs>
1: that's when
2: <laughs> you know you're in one of those rare situations.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: But that's later on down the road. Um, no, so get that, practice that. On nitro models, what I always, you have to learn the approach. And you do not, I, do, I teach people a little bit differently. I don't even, I don't even use throttle hold for a while. I mean, while you're practicing at home, then out at the field, what I have people do is just work on nothing but approaches. Flying off your right or left shoulder, up high, coming down at an angle to try and, you know, land 20 feet straight out in front of you is a very uncomfortable feeling. Like Justin and Jesse said, it's just, and like you said, Dan, it's very uncomfortable. It doesn't feel normal. You want to be out because you can't you can't really tell which way the heli's tilting, you know, you you just have a lot less perspective when it's straight up over your when it feels like it's straight up over your head. Right. So for you know 50, 60 of those approaches, just go up and fly it straight down and try and get to where, you know, go out there, put a paper plate down, put something down on the ground and try and get, we're not even talking hitting throttle hold. Just try and fly it straight down and land on that spot. What that'll do is that'll get your eyes trained. To this is a comfortable position for me,
0: right?
1: Even just flying. Once you feel comfortable on your approaches, and you can bring it down into you know two feet above the ground, take it off, go right back up. Um, once you get comfortable with the approaches, you're comfortable with the tail. You're comfortable with you know getting into that negative, that one mark on your down on your transmitter. Then I have people step into the actually hitting throttle hold. Again, we're not moving the tail. We're not moving. Um, The collective, we're just flying the cyclic, letting it come down, bail back out at about 20 feet. Just constantly kind of, you know, working that until they get to feel comfortable. The biggest mistake that I see over and over and over again, almost every single person that I've taught, and it's a hard thing to get used to. Dan, I've seen you do it. Uh, I saw Jody do it. I've seen Jesse do it when he was learning. When you come down to flair, be aggressive with the back elevator. Do not move your collective until after you have flared. That is a very common misconception when you're learning in auto. You flare with the cyclic, not with the collective. If you do it properly and you're coming down at a good rate, when you pull back on the elevator, you introduce all of the blade disc into the airflow and the head speed will pick up. You'll hear it. You'll, you'll actually hear it, you know, like that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Once it picks up, then start rolling out of the negative and into the positive. What I see almost everyone do is as they come down, they're gentle on the elevator, and then they start giving positive at the same time. And what it does is it'll turn your nice, you know, downward descent that you have into this perfectly level horizontal flight. Now at, at 20 feet high as your head speed decays and you flop it down on the ground from 10 feet. And and then all of a sudden it's like it's coming down at a nice rate and now all of a sudden, boom, it's taking off down the runway. (laughs) I mean, at at 20 feet high and you're watching the blades at this point. So don't be afraid to, to flare low, but give that elevator a good little jerk back and you'll hear it. Boom. And when you do that, the helicopter will actually almost stop just with that elevator movement. And then you're in a hover. You're in a hover at two feet. Slowly give it a little bit of collective, and you've got all the time in the world to set this kid's down
0: and land. So at what, what height should you start to flare?
1: I'm saying f- four feet. Yeah, four to five feet. Four to five feet, and, and you can be aggressive with it. I mean, I'm talking
4: like... Even I'll on a, in- a 700? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Does Jesse disagree?
4: I am usually up around 10. Yeah? Yeah. I bought a forward speed to lead off.
1: Well, usually I'm talking a little more like if you're coming down, you're doing like an off the shoulder, up high, working a regular auto. The acrobatic autos are a little bit different because you come in, you're coming in at such a high rate of speed. I mean, you're falling and you're covering a lot more distance all at the same time. So you do have to start you do have to start a little bit a little bit sooner.
4: Yeah. But, okay. I mean, yeah.
1: you can take a 700 and you can do what we call floating auto and you can sit there, put that collective in that same spot, put it up a little bit closer to you and almost hold the elevator in one spot the whole way down and never flare. And you can oh, hear yeah. it. You'll get that little bit of blade bark and you just hold it right there and it'll go all the way down to the ground. And a little flare and you're done. You don't have to pull back on the elevator. You don't have to do anything there. But if you want to rebuild head speed, you need to give it, you know, that that flare in, into the airflow.
0: And rebuilding head speed is probably key for a new guy.
1: It is very yes. key for a new guy. Cause that's what's gonna make it the more head speed you have when you flare, or at you know, at the the peak of your flare, the easier, the less chance you have of crashing. Because you have more time to adjust the tail, set it down gently, pick your
0: spot. Nice.
1: And the other thing is, you know, the
2: new person is always going to have a tough time getting used to making that conversion from this, like Nick said, this aggressive flare to an upright position that you're comfortable with landing. And if you're not comfy with a side in, then you're going to want to rotate the tail. And so yep. now you're entailing, and all of that takes time, and all the while you're eating head speed.
0: And I got to so war- warn you. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Justin, but I got to warn yep. you guys, because this happened to me when uh, Nick finally did beat it into my head that you've got to be more aggressive with that flare. First of all, there's two things that you newer guys need to watch out for when you're trying this. What's tough about that aggressive flare is things see- just feel like they're happening so fast. And you're so concerned about getting the tail in. If you're not a little careful when you do that aggressive flare and you start bringing the tail around too soon, you're going to end up bringing the helicopter right at you. Yeah. Mid flare. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So that's a good point, Dan. I know this because it happened to me. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Always
1: (laughs) turn the tail after you flare.
0: Yeah, because if you start to turn the tail because you're you're like, I don't want to get the side-in landing. I want to get the tail-in landing, so you're so preoccupied. What you need to realize, and what I realized after the fact, was because not only did the tail get turned around and started coming at me, but I had so much time that I didn't need to do that. Because once I got it, I actually killed a ton of head speed freaking out because it was coming at me. Yeah. By the time I overreacted and and, uh, set it down.
1: You know, don't forget when you're working on those approaches, don't, if you're shooting off your right shoulder, don't aim to land them off your right shoulder. Aim to cross over in front of you and land about 20 feet off your left shoulder and 20 feet out. Because as it comes and it crosses that center line in front of you, once you, you know, you can really pay attention like, okay, it's coming down, it's coming down. As soon as it crosses, that center line's going to be a little freaky for you. Because it's, it's, wow, it feels like, you feel like it's straight above my head. Oh, my God, I'm directly underneath the helicopter. But if you can maintain your composure as it crosses, all of a sudden now, the further it gets away from you, closer to the landing where you really need to think and focus, now it's tail in. I mean, it's back closer to tail in again. So you that's, don't need to spin the tail. That's Spinning true. Spinning the tail is is fun. It, it works, but... If you don't have that much head speed and you're in the middle of doing it, remember, helicopter skids don't skid sideways. <laughs> they do skid front to back a little bit. So if you don't have that much head speed and you're coming in, you'd be surprised how you can bounce and kind of slide an auto and get away with it. But if you're trying to land it directly tail in, you know, kind of sliding sideways, there's no room for error in that.
0: I actually what you know the whole having the tail trying to spin the tail around actually ed was with me that day i did that and um he was super impressed because it looked really cool <laughs> <laughs> i was shit in my pants <laughs> but uh um, you know it's just one of those things you learn and, and it does happen really fast uh you know it's just like anything else you just got to get used to it
4: mm-hmm. yep
0: so that was our little uh auto clinic so to speak i hope that helped a few of you out there
1: yeah and if you guys have more questions you know like real specific ones uh you know making the transition from regular autos to to acrobatic ones is is kind of a big leap Mm -hmm. but if you guys have any questions just give me a shout you know put a post up on the forum and uh i'll help you out do the best that i can
3: let these fly bars sit in the cold damp corners of your garage to rust or be sent to the junkyard for melting away for plank parts every day the number of flybarless units increases dramatically leaving fly bars to squander away into obscurity not to mention the fly bar paddles carbon plastic and all of those kbdd paddles hoping to fly another day It takes a little for you to become a special friend of the Flybar. For just 75 cents a day, you could save a Flybar somewhere across the nation. As a sponsor, you could exchange photos and letters from all the happy children currently flying their Flybar helis. So come on, pick up the phone. Call 1-800-SAVE-FLYBAR. Thank you for your time and consideration. Save the Flybar now.
0: one more quick little topic we're going to talk about because it's been brought up on our forums. Um, sometimes you got guys that were in the hobby a while ago. And when I say a while ago, back in maybe the late nineties or later for that fact, and they, and they come back into it early 2000, they come back into it and they've got what is by today's standard, an archaic helicopter for lack of a better word, just an old concept 30. Um, and old equipment and they're looking to get back into it. And I kind of think I disagree with these guys based on what I've seen, but I, I had, I told the guy on our forum to, you know, you have it. It doesn't, doesn't cost a lot to get it going. You can at least see if you want to try it. If you do have one of those old helicopters, in my opinion, I think you should get it flying. Do you guys agree with that?
3: Mm-mm.
4: Nope. Well, <laughs> all right, Dan, you, I, I think we've talked about this once, but here's my kind of my take on it. This older heli clearly drove you out of the hobby once. You know, <laughs> you, you quit flying. So what makes you think the outcome is going to be well, that, different?
0: That's true. And he you wins. know, But that, that's true <laughs> to some extent. But sometimes there's a lot of things that will drive you out of the hobby. They have a baby. You know? Yeah, very, very true. Very true. Um, they inherit the helicopter, whatever. Um, you know, there are some... Obvious limitations. I mean, obvi- for example, a Raptor 30, you know, an old Raptor 30. Why why not get that thing flying? Yeah. I have one. You know, I maybe wouldn't suggest like the, the old you know, Concept 30. You know, something that has, you know, <laughs> a, 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 uh, well, a mechanical head, not necessarily that style. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Concept 30. That's got just the oddest head ever. And you know, you can only get six degrees on the positive side and four degrees on the negative side at max. And you know, the Raptor 30 is not much better, it's tough to get you know the range out of there, but you know, it'll fly, it'll hover, it'll do circuits. If you've got it, get it flying. No go, huh?
2: You guys, aren't see, flying? my problem with it is, I, I mean, it would be fine if the model that you're going to get flying has parts available, okay? But my problem with it is you're going to get going again, you're going to crash it, and then you're going to want to try to find parts to get the thing back in the air. That's it, true. That's It's a got sentimental value, right? Or else you would have tossed it from the get-go. So now you're stuck trying to find parts for this heli that, quite frankly, probably has a crappy fly bar on it, and an equally crappy tail gyro, and is just overall not as easy to fly as these newer models. And you blow all that
0: money. You guys are just elitists, that's all. No, it's <laughs> it's about fun yeah.
1: factor per your dollar. And, and when you're learning, it's, it's all mental when you're learning. It's all mental. It would be difficult. I, I mean, I wouldn't particularly say difficult, but if an experienced pilot can't go out and take one of those and be like, oh, yeah, well, this is, no, I think this is nice to fly, then it's going to be even more of a nightmare for a new person.
0: I I can appreciate that. But you've flown a Raptor 30. Yes. There's not an easier helicopter to hover than a Raptor 30.
1: No, but Raptor 30, I think, is right on that. That's like right on that teetering point of it's still
4: okay enough to where I would probably say go for it. But that's probably like one of the oldest ones you would recommend. That, absolutely. Right the,
0: yeah. All right. Now we're starting to agree. And I kind of, I, I see where you're coming from. And I kind of, I think that, that maybe I agree with you more than I thought. The thing is, you know, I just, you've got, if you've got that equipment, I would just hate for you to spend uh, a ton of money and, and realize there was just something about helicopters that you didn't like. And if that's your, if that's your thought process, you're a strange person.
1: Well, but but it's not a ton of money anymore. That's the difference. Yeah. You, a, a stinking Nano will well, outfly that Raptor 30 all day long. Yeah,
0: but we don't count those helicopters, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> 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 yeah. I just, I, I mean, I agree. I just think if it's going to be too much, I, you don't want a new person struggling to set it up, tune it. I mean, that's not going to make it any fun for him. Flying's hard enough as it is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Don't give
4: him a handicap helicopter.
1: I don't
0: know, guys. I hold hold a... I really like that older stuff. I just don't know if it's because I'm getting old myself.
4: (laughs) Maybe you're the only one out of us that's actually owned them.
0: (laughs) I just think that it's cool to... To see where they've come from and see how far they progressed and to get these old. I've I've got three old helicopters that I'm trying to get flying. And, of course, obviously, I wouldn't suggest doing what I did and find these old helicopters that nobody has parts for anymore. Because one of them I've been trying to find parts for for now for two years. That is not, obviously, what you're going to want to do. But I can't wait to get these old things flying and just experience them. But
1: but you're experienced. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I get that. I get it. You're, you're, dope on, you're, you're, learning.
2: Or, you're nostalgic, and I look at it and think, man, I am really glad that I was not flying back when those things were around, because yeah. they're a pain in the ass, and they're <laughs> ugly as hell.
0: You're really glad you're not flying back in the day when they had to have their main shafts remachined. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or you had to have a mill to get shit to work? yeah align the clutch bell what <laughs> yeah micrometer <Yeah>. what <laughs> yeah i don't know guys i i really have i i would love i you know we had a guy on the show once uh, a long long time ago might even it was it was version two and he's he's been around um joe's his name is from the uk this guy's got like 350 vintage helicopters wow wow um You can check out his webpage, and I'm going to go from memory, but I'll try to find it and put it in our show notes. It's like vrc.co.uk, and it's Vintage uh, Heli Radio Control or something to that effect. That's not it. Is that not it? (laughs) No. I know he's there. He's been on the show before, but anyway, um, he's got a whole barn full of old vintage helicopters and i just think that's cool as hell. it's nice to you can buy parts from i'll find that link i don't know what it is right now but i'll find it before the show sweet and um i don't know i just i really like the old helis i do so that's my story and i'm sticking to it all right we'll let you <laughs> yeah all righty guys of course as you know digging in episode three came out recently uh, if you're still looking, you can get a copy of that. It's on iTunes now. and They got it fixed finally. Woohoo. Uh, it's been well received. It's got uh, it's different. People are really uh, appreciating it. We've got uh, quite a quite a bit of feedback. Uh, of course, it's all about um, electric stuff, ESCs, all that good stuff, motors, governors, that kind of thing. So be sure to check that out. Uh you can get to that by going to our web page and clicking on the digging in up in the top navigation menu and that'll take you right to the right to it so you can kind of see what it's all about. Also to the forums, they are coming along nicely. We appreciate everybody that's been uh jumping in and taking part in there. Looking forward to seeing where that's going. We we have had a few people post events. I'm just going to ask you guys remind you If you have an event that you want to let us know about, go ahead and fill it in there. There's kind of a little template there, kind of the information that we would like. And give us as much information as you can, and we'll go ahead and add that to our calendar. The Compass 360 Warp Giveaway. Yes. Man, there has been some... It's getting good. (laughs) There's been some really good submissions.
4: Oh, yeah, it's been great.
0: The one with the... The guy superimposed our faces uh, on the, um, I guess looked like the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Oh
1: my
4: gosh!
0: Oh, that's amazing. And then of course, Larry he submitted one where the helicopter is simming him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's
4: that's great. You can tell it's winter. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Just you know, I've had a few questions. You know, is this is this just about what is this? What you know is it. I don't, you know, I'm not really seeing any flying pictures. It's not really about that. It's, you know, have fun with it. Be creative. Creative. An odd location. Those are the key words. Just kind of have fun with it. See what you can come up with. It's just a lot of fun to see the, the creative uh, submissions we're getting. Of course, we'll compile all those. But you can see what's going on by going to our forum and checking out that that thread. It's stickied up there on the main forum. You should be easy to find. Facebook's coming along. It's growing. It's growing quick, dude. We're getting tons
2: of likes. Yeah, that's
0: yeah. That's all due to our awesome listeners. You guys are really spreading the word about what's going on here at RCHN. We really appreciate that. There was a newsletter that just went out. Just kind of a mid-month, kind of a reminder.
4: Yeah, it, it had in it a just you know all the relevant information for the giveaways going on. So you might want to check that out.
0: Yeah, you might want to check that out. And um, if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, you probably should do that. Hint, hint. Or at least go back and check out the archives. But you might as well sign up as well. I think that's about it, guys. Can you think of anything else you want to talk about?
1: Man, no, not really.
0: Do we have any hoodies left? We have one small hoodie left.
1: (laughs) The lone small.
0: Yeah, and I've got... I've actually had to refund three people this week.
1: Really? Yeah. So I guess we're going to, we're working on figuring something out, guys.
0: Yeah. I actually, I actually talked with, um, this week I talked with a a local supplier here and uh, Tony, Grandpa Tony gave me a heads up on a person that might be able to help us out um, with some of these ideas as well. Thanks, Grandpa Tony, for that information. haven't followed up on it yet, but I will this week, next this next week. And we'll we'll see what we can do. I mean, um, we got a couple shirt ideas. You know, we'd like to we'd like to get you guys some shirts. It seems to be there's quite a few people interested in them. So that's something that we should be working on. I think.
1: Yeah, as soon as, as soon as I can cram a couple more hours in each day, we'll get it all done.
0: You need that twenty six hour pill. Yeah. <laughs>
1: 26-hour so energy. 26-hour energy. <laughs> I was sitting at mm-hmm. my computer last night, looked up in the in the corner of the screen, and my jaw just hit the table. I was like, oh, my God, it's 2.30.
0: Yeah, and I was on Skype with you at the time. I know. And, th- and that's why I left so quick. I was like,
1: oh, crap, 2.30, got to go.
0: Yeah, we're like mid-conversation. He's like, holy shit, look at the time. I got to go to bed. <laughs> Get yeah. up at 6. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
1: You know, I went to work a real quality individual today.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why does Nick look like a zombie every morning?
1: Just how he is. (laughs) Priorities, yo. Mm
0: -hmm. All righty, Nick. If I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that?
1: Uh, You would definitely shoot me an email at nick at RCHellynation.com or throw me a PM or post in the chat box. We'll find you one way or the other. Sounds real good. Justin, if I
0: want to get in touch with you, how would I do that?
2: you could send me an email at justin at RCHellynation.com or catch me in the forums or the chat box under Justin.
0: And Jesse, how would I get in touch with you? Uh, The best way to get in touch with with me
4: would be to shoot me an email at jesse at RCHellynation.com or as Jesse on the forum.
0: And I want to remind you guys too, if you wanted to get in touch with Dieter, you could do that at dieter at RCHellynation.com. He's also in the chat chat room quite a bit as well. And I am Dan. You can reach me at Dan at rchalienation.com or Dan K. Reed on our mm-hmm. forum. I did it. I made the change. You changed it. You changed wow. it. Wow. I just threw a wrench in every. Who's like, who's Dan K. Reed? Who is that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Evil twin.
0: <laughs> so that's finally changed back to a, a more usual name, something I'm familiar saying. So that's kind of a nice thing. Sweet. Um, So this next week, I know I didn't hear back from Daryl Bell this week to find out if he got his issues straightened away with his uh, mic. Hopefully we'll get that figured out. But I have talked with uh, Kerry Shirley, and of course you gasser guys out there will know who that is. And he is going to be on next week, so we'll have an interview with him uh, next week. Looking forward to that. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week, guys. We'll see you on Monday. I like brownies. I like turtles. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, send us an email using the contact us link on the homepage. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a donate now button on our homepage as well.